0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode two of our Fire Strong podcast. This podcast is an official product of the Fire Center of Excellence and Fort Sills Public Affairs Office. I'm your host, Don Herrick. And I'm Keith Pennell. And today in the studio, we have Chief Warrant Officer 3, Kevin Carruthers the ADA, or Air Defense Artillery, Proponent Warrant Officer, who's gonna talk to us about ADA Warrant Officers. Hey, Chief, thank you for joining
1: us today. Uh, You're very welcome, sir. Thanks for having me on your your podcast here to uh, spread the word about our Warrant Officers. Man, we're
0: excited about it. (laughs) So, you know, tell us about Air Defense Artillery Warrant Officer, and we're really excited to hear about your culture campaign.
1: Okay, so, you know, the culture campaign, um, it really nests what we can bring to the branch, um, with you know, Army strategy, specifically the people strategy. Um, you could also make parallels to how we support modernization, um, with what some of our warrant officers are doing out there as well. But this is really focused on, you know, the people strategy aspect. That was something that you know is very important to the Chief of Staff, right? And you know, we've heard his, you know, people come first and, and people first values. And so, we kind of looked at ourselves and said, well, how can we contribute, right? How do we? Everyone knows, you know, the warrant officer is a technical expert. This me on, you know, whatever hardware it is that they have that they either maintain, right, or operate. Um, but we kind of looked at, well, you know, how can we go beyond that? Because the warrant officer is a leader as well, um, and an advisor and a mentor. And you really, your technical expertise builds the foundation for the validation for why you're able to provide leadership and advice and mentorship, right? But that's not just all you do, right? Um, so we kind of looked at ourselves and, and said, well, well, how can we support this? And, you know, it, it was twofold, right? So part of it is culture, just you adapt or develop a culture intentionally or unintentionally, right? So just by the things you do, your habits, your activities, your values, um, and if you're not careful and you don't really, you're not conscious about it and you're not intentional about it, you may just in, unintentionally develop a culture that doesn't exactly align with what you know, the overall values and strategy and vision should be, you know? And so part of it was a reaffirmation of that for ourselves, like, hey, who are we? What what does right look like for a warrant officer? And what, you know, what do we not wanna be, right? And that's kind of internal to the cohort. And also uh, to, to confirm with our leaders, hey, this is who we are, this is who we should be, you know, hold your warrant officers accountable, hold each other accountable. Um, But the bigger piece of it is tying it to that strategy, right? And and, um, showing our leaders really, truly why we're value added in terms of where, you know, the Secretary of the Army and Chief Staff of the Army want to go with the people strategy. So, um, you know, and and this, the ADA War officer culture campaign is just aligning and reaffirming our culture with that and, and nesting it to that doctrine.
2: So you're looking for more warrant officers. Absolutely. So to the junior NCO, who may be listening to this, we hope a lot of them are uh, that what exactly is a warrant officer? Why should a junior NCO or or a mid-level NCO decide, I want to be a warrant officer? And what does that entail? What do they have to do? But first of all, what? Does a warrant to do because come on, Chief, you know the myth. <laughs> right. <You> know, <laughs> the, the myth is
1: that you know, I don't know if I can the, yeah,
2: the, I don't know if I should tell in you every really what once in a while <laughs> drinking coffee and <laughs> makes a point and, and then disappears and but you know we're all we're having fun saying that, but but the Chiefs serve a very important purpose and role in today's army. So how does one become a chief? And what exactly, you mentioned something earlier, they're the SMEs, they're the subject matter experts for whatever system they're on. So if you wouldn't mind, go go into that a little bit. So somebody listening to this may say, oh, that sounds like something I want to broaden my career with.
1: Yes, so the, you know, in air defense artillery, we are tech warrant officers or technical warrant officers. So you have the aviators, right? They fly rotary wing aircraft and then you have all the all the technician analysis, right? So the premise of a technician warrant officer is that you have a foundation from your enlisted experience on a particular, um, you know, aspect of the army. It could be a system or an operation or a process, you know, maybe you're a logistician or, you know, work for a staff judge advocate. In our case, we work with our air defense Mm -hmm. equipment. So you have your 140 Alpha, that's the air and missile defense C2 systems integrator. Right, and so um, their their critical function at the tactical level is integrating the tactical data links, so that you know sensors can provide their data, um, digital digital control of systems, right? The integrated air picture, all these things. We obviously, you know, talking about where we're going with MDO and all that stuff. That's obviously a critical capability. The the 140 kilo is a tactician. Um, so, building on that technical understanding of the weapon system, but how do you employ it? How do you operate it, right, at the tactical level? Um, and then the one forty Lima is the technician. So they are the, you know, field level maintenance um, advisor and, and program manager for that battery commander at that level. Um, and they are really making sure that the system is, you know, in, in the highest condition of readiness that it can possibly be in, so that we can do what we need to do with it. Um, We're looking for those enlisted members that, you know, first of all, part of the culture campaign is is engagement, right, and getting and development and getting after our soldiers at a younger age so that we can market the program to them and say, hey, you know, PFC so-and-so, specialist so-and-so, did you know that this was something you could do, right? And, And if you, you know, are interested, this is how you go about it so that we can groom them and develop them to where when they get to let's say six or seven years time in service, and they're a Sergeant E5 with maybe two or three years in that leadership role, that's kind of when we want you to make the transition. And, and I say that because we, we've we had, um, our branch has slowly gotten older in terms of the warrant officers that we assess, both older in time in service, um, you know, and, and rank. And so that's good. I mean, we, we, we get seasoned, you know, NCOs that have a lot of leadership experience and you know a lot of time in their craft but you know it hurts us in terms of the long the long game right and so we're saying hey you know what if 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 you have potential right and you've you're, you're kind of at that about seven years time in service and you've you've met what the prerequisites are we will take you under our wing and we will develop you the rest of the way you know like we're not looking for hey tomorrow we can pin two dots on you and you're going to be Fire and forget, right? Like there's still a selection process and a development process. You're a W one for two years for a reason, right? And so we're kind of asking the branch to, to, you know, look a little bit younger, right? And and also the branch, you know, not to put out any numbers that are, you know, um, maybe close hold right now. But you know the branch is the branch is growing. That's no secret to anyone. To include our warrant officer authorizations, you know, when we convert formations or stand up new formations, there's, you know, warrant officer billets and authorizations are part of that. And, you know, the the CW3, right, those jobs are gonna grow, um, kind of more of our senior tactical level guys. And so if we take someone in who has 12 plus years in service, our biggest threat to attrition is that 20 years in service, CW3. That is where our, you know, almost, entirely our entire more officer population disappears is cw3s 20 years in service mm-hmm. and you can't blame them right i mean you've done your 20 years you know thank you for your service and you've served honorably and, and no one's saying that that's wrong of them to leave but it's partially our fault for allowing ourselves to assess older and older we're at about or i think our average is somewhere between 11 and 12 years time in service and you know e7s make up a lot more of our population that we assessed than they did several years ago, uh, so we just kind of started slipping older and older and so, you know, we kind of looked at, well maybe we're just not, maybe we're just not engaging people early enough, maybe they're not aware until much later in the game or they weren't developed properly or made aware of these opportunities and, and how to set themselves up for success until later on in the game and they needed a few years to kind of catch up, you know, those sort of things. So. Um, we're really looking at, you know, if you have seven years time in service when we assess you, you have to stay till W-4, you know, I mean, we, we'll get those, you know, we'll keep those. And if it's something you want to do, you just, you, you have, you can maximize your opportunity, right? You can still maybe leave the service at 21, 22 years, but you've made it all the way to W-4 and you've gotten to do, you know, a lot more jobs than you would just get if you you know were a W-2 when you retired um and so you know that's and something that we're trying to kind of stamp out is a lot of there was some we did it to ourselves right we had some people out that out there that were saying well you know it's it's move up or move out as a warrant you know you get looked at once for promotion twice and then you're out if you don't make it so you really want to make sure that you know our first centralized board that that can happen is w3 so hey you know if you go too early you know you risk the chance of up and out right? And you end up out before you're eligible for retirement. And to me, that's, that's just bogus. You know, I mean, the the type of, if you're driven enough to, to, um, to make the attempt to, to apply to be a warrant officer and you're selected, you're the kind of person that's going to have no issues, you know, making a a promotion and that shouldn't even be a thought. I mean, I'm a personal testament to that. You know, I, I crossed over at just under seven years and, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm getting looked at for W4 this year and I barely have 18 years time in service, you know, but it was never a thought or something that my mentors instilled in me was like, well, wait a minute, you're too young, you should wait, you know, and so now, you know, the return on investment for the branches, you know, I'm gonna be here through <laughs> CW4, you know, so um, we're trying to get, you know, get ourselves a little younger to support that growth um, for the branch.
0: So, how do we get at that younger demographic? And then, just using your case in point for you know those five to seven year time in service NCOs, what can you tell them about the uh, promotion sessions if they do become warrant officer? So how does that look compared to the enlisted side of the house?
1: Yeah. So, I, I really don't have um, you know I don't have data about as far as you know retention promotion rates things like that on on the uh, enlisted side but you know right now um you know that that cwc cw3 growth we need for fy 28 29 those are the those the cw3s of that those years are the people we're going to select this year and next year you know it takes us six years to grow that cw3 you know you're gonna you're gonna put in your application um about probably a year later, um, you know, go to the candidate school at Fort Rucker, come to your basic course here at Fort Sill, which all the basic courses are about six months now. Um, And then you're gonna, um, you know, you have two years from the time you're appointed to W1, right now that's when you graduate um, walks. And then, you know, so you go out to your unit for about a year or so, maybe a year and a half as a W1. And then W2 is, you know, it's kind of like promotion specialist, you know, two years time in, in grade and you're, you're going to make W-2. Um, and right now it's about, you know, boarded at about four years time in grade, uh, promoted in five. So they are looking at, for the guys that are coming in now, um, you know, we have right now, we're at an aggregate of, you know, like I said, I don't want to get CUI on the numbers, but, you know, it's like we're maybe two thirds full on our authorizations, right? So, you know, there's... Right now, if you're coming in, um, you know we're, we're, we don't have because we don't have more. You know, we're not 100% full. We don't have more people than we need. Um, the path to promotion when you get to that look for W3, and W4 is uh, very favorable. You know, and just because, and if we're not able to keep up now, you know, if we're at yeah. such a low fill now and we're continuing to grow, you know, um, we'd really have to overassess in the next two years to get those individuals to the point where they're concerned with hey I might not make CW3 right and that's part of why we you know part of our strategy with the se- sessions is keeping those year groups healthy so that this is a you know beneficial career path where it's not just you know hey let's take 90 of you and then oh by the way you know 15 of you might make CW3 because we just don't have you know yeah, that's- so that, that's a bad marketing ploy too you know <laughs> so we, we have to look out at you know and and some of the people we will get those individuals that have more than 11 years time in service in every year group and they attrit out and that's fine that, make, that kind of clears up the pyramid through attrition you know so that um, people can move forward so it is a you know if, if and, and this kind of is our you know our catchphrase with the you know be trusted you know be remembered make a difference if you're doing those things you know and I tell the young guys if because if if you're trusted right you're doing your job you know your job you 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 have passion about doing your job and you're taking care of people, right? Um, If you're remembered and because there's so few of us, you're going to be remembered. (laughs) It might be, hopefully it's for a good thing, but you know, that's up to you, but you're going to be remembered. And and again, if you're, you know, doing your job, you know, you're being that leader, advisor, mentor, and expert, you're taking care of people and just being a good team player, you're going to be remembered favorably. And then, you know, because you're doing all those things, you're, probably making an impact, right? You may not realize it in the day to day, but as you go from assignment to assignment and kind of go throughout your career, you're gonna look back and um, realize what you were doing made an impact. And I think, uh, you know, we cannot run the army without our enlisted and our NCOs. I mean, I I still need good NCOs, but when I look back at the opportunities to make an impact I had as a warrant officer versus when I was enlisted, it's just, it's tenfold. You know, and it's because you, Are when you are trusted and you are put in those positions um, to advise and to mentor and to apply your expertise. It's just it's inevitable. You're going to make an impact, right? And I think that um, is what for the young NCOs I would tell them. You know, your leadership your leadership comes with you, right? If you like to be with the troops and you like to mentor and and train troops, that doesn't leave as a warrant officer. Um, You keep that and you take that with you, but your you know, just from, you know, the the focus of the development and the training for warrant officers and what the army uh you know learning outcomes are for them, you will just continue to be enriched with more technical experience on your weapon system. And that's a draw for a lot of NCOs, is hey, even officers, right? We've had three fourteen alphas now that we've gotten to become one forty kilos. And hmm. the conversation was, hey, you know, I, I really like the being involved in the weapon system right i like to be an operator you know for the officers a lot of times they were like a td or a dafco and they just want to keep doing that right rather than staff and, and command and ncos at some point there's a similar cut for ncos too right where you know they they become used in more of an administrative role a manager role they get away from you know the weapon system, right? Whether they're, once they become a first sergeant, sergeant major, and we need good first sergeants and sergeant majors and and platoon sergeants and master gunners, but um, for some of them, they see, you know, hey, like, we'll take a master gunner, for example, right? Hey, I really, I really like being down here where the rubber meets the road, training small units and teams to employ this weapon system and to operate this weapon system. And so if you want to continue to be a leader and continue to, you know, serve our branch in that role, Warrant Officer is a great route to go. Um, and to go back to the point about assessing earlier versus later, you know, the majority of our branch and not just Warrant Officer, but the majority of our branches' authorizations are in those tactical jobs, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even saying a majority, like 51%, like way higher. It's, you know, are in those battalions, right? And, and you know, directly contributing to lethality. And so if you ever want to get, and that's W-3s, right? W-3s, W-2s, that's tactical level, right? Um, you don't get to the brigade level to some of those, you know, lower density positions in our branch until you're a W-4. So if you want to maximize your opportunity as a war officer and do some of these other jobs out there that um, are exciting and have a even bigger impact, right? Brigade of DAFCO, working at a double um, working at a division if you're, you know, 140 Alpha, you um, you know, as a Lima, maybe going to AMCOM, you know, down in Huntsville, you you, you need to stay a little yeah. longer. You need to be senior. You need to get that that um, that experience under your belt. And so if you want to do that, you know, you kind of have to either stay in past 20 or come in a little earlier, you know, and it is important for us to assess people who have some leadership experience, you know, because we are, as a warrant officer too, and this is something that may be, uh, you know, interesting to, to those young enlisted is, you know, you, you are pretty independent, right? I mean, you, you, you're you usually one deep, like maybe there's two of you in your echelon or, or your organization, and you're given a lot of trust, right? You earn it, but you're given a lot of trust to execute your duties as you see fit, because you're the expert in what it is that you do. And a lot of times you're out of line of sight of the commander, you know, you don't have a platoon sergeant or, you know, um, first sergeant might be on you if you, you know, didn't go to the range yet this month or you didn't do your <laughs> 350-1 but um no i mean the first sergeants have been greatly supportive to what i've had to do but you're at a line of sight of your boss you're, you're working decentralized and so if you're tired of you know somebody breathing down your neck telling you exactly what time it is that you can leave for chow and all that kind of stuff you know go warrant and we'll continue to groom you on your on your leadership training and stuff like that um you know because that that that, that too kind of makes a difference i think for some people and and a lot of our W3s at, at 20 are, are getting out because just like the NCOs and the Enlisted, our branches that we're working hard right now, you know, and, and the op tempo is very high and a lot of young um, NCOs, especially the 14 Echos that, we, that typically are targeted for the 140 kilo, you know, they've they are the cream of the crop for the 14 Echos. They've been serving in the shelter, they've been on the battle rostered crew. They've been going through, you know, the deployment downrange and coming back and, and getting reset and being trained and ready to go again and just over and over and over. And a lot of them see, well, if I become a warrant officer, I'm going to come back to the battery. I'm just going to switch chairs and shelter and go through all of this all over again. And if, if that's all they're seeing as what a warrant officer at the battery contributes, then, you know, then I need to know who that warrant <laughs> officer is in their battery that they think is just a TCO and that's all they're doing because... Even if, okay, if there's a period of time where you do have to go and, and that is your job, one of your jobs. But even then, it's still so much better to do that as the warrant officer, yeah. you know, because you're you're still given that um, that that latitude and that trust to uh, to go out there and do what you need to do to inspire and enable and empower and, and, and do your job without as much of a, you know, um, without as a lot of the other stuff that sometimes, you know, you, you deal with when you're, you know, lower enlisted and stuff like that junior enlisted so i mean it you know and then those years go by and you move on to something to bigger and better things and a lot of times you look back on it and the time you had at least for me that i had in the battery was some of the most fun i had as a warrant officer you know you think at the time that this is you know i'm just going through the grind again i was in the battery for almost five years and i spent all my enlisted time in the battery and so i was, was kind of in a hurry to get out but that was some of the most fun and rewarding times i had as a you know, as a warrant officer, being being in a battery element with, yeah. with the young lieutenants and, the, mix, and right. the NCOs and the soldiers, so um, I, I would, you know, I would not, uh, yeah, you're going to do hard work, but it, the, the reward in terms of the impact you can make, um, and, and through making impact, the kind of intrinsic job satisfaction you get, I think that's really where the biggest draw is, you know, for me at least, and not just money or promotion or anything like that, so... That's awesome.
2: Chief, now that we've hopefully convinced somebody, what do they need to have? Uh, how do they need to get ready? That kind of thing be f- to come talk to you or whomever to uh, try to join the Warrant Officer ranks.
1: Right. And so the, the the first thing I always point everyone to is, you know, of course, if you you know don't know what to do, you can reach out to me. But I am. I'm not the recruiter, so the recruiters right. handle the administration and of the application, all the paperwork, all the documents, you know, and, and kind of those general army requirements, right? So I will always point them to the website, you know, GoWarrantNow.com, if they type that into their browser, it'll pop up the USAREC Warrant Officer page, um, and start by looking at those administrative requirements, right? And, and so there's some that are not, the big ones, you know, that aren't waiverable right now is the GT of 110. You know, just Army regulation enlisted going through a commissioning source. You know, have to have the GT 110, U.S. citizenship, high school graduate or GED, um, and, you know, the secret security clearance. Um, they've taken the APFT off now since we've gotten to March 2022, and that X order has expired. Um, more to follow on what will happen with the ACFT and things like that. And then, you know, you can kind of go down the list, and there's some other requirements mm-hmm. there. There are some that are waiverable, um, you know, USREC, like the active federal service waiver. Um, Some of them will be handled by USREC, some will be handled by DAG1, but really just start there at the website. And then um, they they lay out the MOS's as well. So you have kind of the Army's requirements to become a warrant officer, and then you have the prerequisites that we're looking for for each MOS. And so you go to the MOS feeder table and you click on 140 Alpha and it'll show you everything we're looking for. but, you know, a lot of the things, a lot of times people, sometimes people writing a letter say, hey, they call me, hey, I got this individual. And they tell me three or four things about them. And I'm like, well, I need to kind of see the whole picture, right? <laughs> so the best, there is no harm in submitting an application. Your application doesn't go to the board if it hasn't gone through the proponent, right? So you used to validate it and they'll basically, you know, pull the waivers out and go start processing them. They'll make sure all the paperwork's there and they'll send it to me. And that's the proponent validation is really that technical piece. So that specific MOS requirements. And, you know, if, if at that point I've gotten the whole site picture of who you are and stuff, and I just don't feel like you're there, then, you know, reach out to you, have a conversation, have a conversation with your mentor and we just hold on to it. Right. There's no, we don't initiate the board process because once we do that, now there's, you know, ramifications for not getting selected by the board. Um, so, there's no harm in just submitting the application, you know, but go to the website and then on the website too, under the contact us information is the POCs for your regional recruiter, right? So, like if you're at Fort Sill in the Central Region, you got Chief Perkins, um, you know, and those recruiters are great. I mean, they all have been rock stars for me and helping us get people, um, you know, through the wickets. And the other thing too that we've seen, I've seen via hindrance is we published the Milper when, with all the deadlines, right? This you know this board is happening you know 21 to 25 march so the packets are due by this date to us and and etc and some people you know things happen they don't get the paperwork the application completed in time so they realize well shoot i missed the deadline i guess i just have to give up or i guess i have to wait until the next we are open to process these applications 24 7 365. you know userek userek will take an application any day of the year they will validate it put it in my gears box any day of the year and we will get them processed, and if we are a week prior to a board and you don't need any waivers, or you need just an AFS and they get that cleared, we will throw it in that in that board, mm. even if it's the day the board's starting. I mean, we've gotten them turned around very quickly, and if not, it's validated and ready to go for the next board. And you don't have to worry, you just know, hey, I'm my packet's board ready, and it didn't make it for January, but you know what, there's one coming up in May and it's gonna be in there, you know? So um, we just tell people, you know, please get just the, the timelines are there as a guideline to guarantee you know you have enough time but if not keep working it all keep pushing it all the way till you hit the goal line and keep me in the loop if you know if you're having obstacles you know if you're downrange and you got to go to quake to get your physical and it's you're not going to make it in time whatever the case may be right so um yeah just don't give up and and i point people to the website if if they've clearly haven't been there yet right <laughs> <laughs> because it's like hey i i you know go here first right but anyone can reach out to me at any point and i'm going to help them even if it is my i have a signature block that is for the people who clearly have just seen my name somewhere and haven't gone to the website you know it has all the information in there it's in the bottom of my signature block and, and i'll still say hey you know go here first and then come back and let's have a conversation and a lot of people especially for 140 alphas and, and limas, they they're not in a formation where they have an air defense warrant officer either so a lot of times if they come from an air defense brigade or Patriot Battalion. It's like, yeah. well, you know, who's your mentor in a unit? Who's the senior warrant unit? Like, why haven't you talked to them? But if they're coming from, you know, an army headquarters or the Marine Corps, we all do my part to link them up with, with a mentor in that MOS so they can get some, you know, guidance from, on that, on that part. Cause everyone needs a letter, letter of recommendation um, from a CW3 or above in that MOS. So a lot of times we have like 25 series or, you know, like I said, a um, Air Force, you know, airman, uh, tech sergeant or something like that. They, they don't have a 140 Lima. You know, they're, they're, you know, in Okinawa somewhere. So we'll link them up with 1-1 or, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get it done. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So I know it's on everyone's mind, especially as they're looking at signing up for additional years. Is there an accessions bonus for one officers?
1: Yeah, so funny you bring that up. So there, we, we had a program in, in FY 2021, and we applied to continue that program. And for whatever reason, with what's going on with the, the budget and stuff this year, we just got the approval on Friday um, to go ahead and execute a accessions bonus program and retention so last Friday. program. Yes, the 18th of February. So you guys are hearing it here first. Right. Yeah, Breaking absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, You know, we have to go through and kind of figure out the spend plan, but because we have a decent chunk of money to spend in just two quarters, I think we're going to be able to max out our offering. Um, And so that's for the retention bonus. That's a maximum of $20,000 a year for four years. So you get an, you know, an ad so. Um, And then for the, the max for the accessions bonus is 60,000 and that's a six year ad so from the day you graduate your basic course. So. You know, if we can go ahead and apply, if we can, you know, accommodate the max, that's what it would look like for 140 kilo and Lima applicants, um, and also for those that are eligible for the retention bonus. And I have to go through and verify this, you know, I just saw this this morning. So I have to go <laughs> verify the spend plan and, and put out the per messages. So when the per messages are published with the specifics, um, you know, we'll go ahead and share that on Facebook and notify all the senior warrant officers and everything like that. So.
0: Oh, that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been, you know, we've had people asking, you know, for half the year now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's good that if they finally came through with it. So
0: I know the Commandant likes saying it, uh, but it is truly a great time to be an air defender.
1: It is, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the opportunities for growth uh, as, a, as a warrant officer are just tremendous. And, you know, if the Army is going to give you a little money to incentivize you for doing something that is rewarding in and of itself, then, you know, and It's even better. So
2: and you get saluted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that there is uh, for those that maybe have no idea. You know, the younger enlisted, you know, junior enlisted, and, and it's you know, you're you're appointed as a W one, then you're you're a commission officer, right? So, um, and you're kind of stratified. You know, we are a cohort within the officer corps, so we're stratified with our officer equivalents in terms of, hey, W1, W2, you're a company grade, three, four field grade. So you also, you know, part of it is, well, you need to conduct yourselves and, you know, as a professional company grade officer. But, you know, if you're overseas and, you know, you want to get housing on base and you're W W3, like you're going to get the field grade officer housing, you know, so you're, you you still get to do the dirty work that you did when you were an NCO, but you get a little bit more of the lifestyle and compensation of being an officer in of the U.S. Army. Um, so it's, it's really the best of both worlds. That's, that's why I did this. You know, I, I was in for just long enough to see that, you know, <laughs> being a commissioned officer, you know, command and staff was just not for me. But this was kind of a happy medium, and I've been absolutely happy with it ever since. So,
0: well, That's awesome. So we're, we're running short on time. So I wanted just to open it up to you, if you had any closing comments or anything that you'd like to add, or even advice to that young Sergeant who's thinking about making a change.
1: Yeah, as far as advice, I mean, just, you know, um, get involved early, you know, go seek out a mentor, tell them you're interested um, in becoming a warrant officer and, you know, go to the website, make a plan of action. Hey, I'm, I'm just promoted to Sergeant. Um, here's what they're looking for and kind of make a timeline. You know, maybe I can, you know, maybe it's a 24 month timeline. These are the things I need to do and start working it so that when you hit seven years, maybe just promoted to staff sergeant, you're, you're ready, you know, um, and as far as, you know, anything else to plug, we hit the bonus where we really need 140 kilos. Um, that's always our most challenging session. Um, even last year with the bonus, we were, you know, we just barely made it across the finish line, but, um. I'm a 140 kilo. So if you have questions, they can absolutely reach out and talk to me. We have a worldwide kind of 140 kilo day going on on the 24th of February. Each region, uh, each USREC region, is handling their own batch of installations differently as far as you know time and virtual versus in person. So all that's going out to all the senior warrants in the branch. Um, if you got those invites or flyers, please, you know, we're we're really trying to make a, a campaign for specifically those. NCOs that are in that 140 kilo market because we're, you know, we're halfway through the year in terms of boards and we're at 25%, um, where we need to be for kilos and we're at 50% for the other two MOSs. Um, so, and, you know, we're really short in that MOS. So, um, yeah, those are the two things that I probably wanted to put out today, the bonus in the 140 kilo push. So
0: well, that's awesome. And for all of our listeners, if you want to find more information or reach out to Chief Carruthers, uh, you can hit him up on his Facebook page. And you can just simply Google ADA Proponent Warrant Officer and remember their message. You'll be trusted. You'll be remembered and come make a difference. Uh, we'd like to thank our guest, CW3 Kevin Carruthers, the ADA Proponent Warrant Officer for joining us today and you've been listening to Firestorm